Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 132. Today we are talking about our first year at a new school. We'll also talk about highs and lows from the week, discuss some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment, share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, and then our CODA section will give some specific recommendations of our favorite things we are enjoying in or out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So now it's time to share some highs and lows, something good, something not so good. How was your week, Tanya? Um, okay, pretty good. Yeah, it was a week of, there's testing happening, and um, the more they test, the more we dance. That's my motto. And I wanted to share a high related to dance. Um, this actually happened a week ago when we were not dropping a podcast, but uh, third graders have been really loving dancing. So I'm kind of phasing recorders out, phasing more dancing in, um, especially since they've been doing the testing. And last Friday, I, I thought, you know, well, I was planning this all week. I, I thought if if it's nice on Friday, we'll go outside. I'll bring my little block rocker with the music, you know, so we can just do our dancing outside because won't that be nice? But I didn't tell the kids just in case it wasn't nice outside. And it was, and we went outside and I had forgotten that third grade music time happens at the same time as kindergarten and first grade recess time. So the kindergartners and first graders were out there, but there's plenty of room. There's like, you know, basketball court area and there's shady treed area. And so we found a nice flat place and um, we were doing, we were actually doing the heel and doe polka, but with the third graders, uh, we did it with different music. So, you know, it's, it's totally appropriate for third grade, especially if you're, um, using music that's a little bit more developmentally appropriate for them that's not sounding like first grade heel and topoka. Mm-hmm. And so we did that. Um, and then we played a singing game. And the kindergartners and first graders actually started forming a little crowd watching. And this was just totally unexpected. And they were very sweet. They didn't, you know, they weren't. Um, trying to get in they were just watching they were just observing because like hey music's happening uh we hear it and there's a bunch of kids that are moving around and they um third graders loved doing it um and they had a little audience and the kindergartners and first graders for the rest of the week were coming up to me in the hallway going i love to see the dancing I want to see dancing again. Are we going to get to do that in music class? So anyway, it was just a totally organic thing that happened. And that was, that was good. Cause I'm, you know, we're spreading the idea of we do this, not just in the music room, but wow, it's enjoyable too. And, you know, the playground is where it's supposed to be happening anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was nice. That was just a, a lovely little moment. And I'm just hoping that uh, everybody's excited to dance and move and sing and play. And I just want to keep that kind of 
exposure and joy of music making going. That's awesome. So there you go. Yeah. What about you? Um, it's been a week. I mean, a good week. It's just a lot's going on. Um, I had my first performance at my new school, but I actually don't want to talk about that because I want to save that for our main theme. <laughs> okay. But um, other than that, the other big thing that's going on right now, at least for third and fourth graders, is I am playing recorder with both third and fourth grade. And um, I, I'm sharing it as a high overall. You know, I haven't taught recorder since the pandemic. And um, I will be honest, it's never been my favorite thing. It's also not my least favorite thing. But, you know, it's just kind of one of those things I always do just because I know it is good and the kids really enjoy it. And I do make it as enjoyable for me as possible. But, you know, not doing it for a while and then coming back to it made me realize that I do actually like it <laughs> a lot better than I remember liking it before. And maybe it's just, again, with a new school and a new crowd and all that kind of stuff. But um, the kids are so excited about it. Um, you know, they they bought recorders from me, and so they all have their recorders that they can take home and practice. And I've gotten a few funny comments from parents in passing, like, yeah, thanks a lot for the recorder, you know, just because it is the beginning. So, of course, I'm sure there's a lot of playing at home and not a lot of great playing. So I do understand how that goes. But anyways, um, you know, I just finally got through the first day of recorder with my last two third and fourth grade classes today. So now that I'm over day one of here's how you rest and here's when you play and here's how you hold it and here's how you blow and here's how you not blow. You know, it's a lot of me on those first couple of days, which is exhausting. But um, anyways, I'm just, I'm excited to play recorder again and the kids are really excited. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun way to close out the year and kind of like you and your dancing. My plan is when it gets nice to take the recorders outside because my room is not huge, although the sound wasn't horrible. It is carpeted, so that's not too bad. But I do love in the springtime to go outside and play recorder. I just think that's a nice thing to do at the end of the year. So, yeah, I'm just excited. Yay, recorders. Yay. That's awesome. And now it's time for our main theme, where we'll, we will be talking about our first year at a new school. Both Carrie and I are at new schools this year, and we're breaking it down with three stars and a wish, meaning three things that each of us is really pleased with that we are glad we implemented that have worked well this year. And then one thing that we'd like to focus on for next year that um, we just want to raise up and put in the forefront for next year. Yeah. And, I do want to so just we'll, add yes, something too, because I think I was thinking about this, Tanya, you and I, I think we're both in kind of a unique position where we knew a lot about our school that we were going into beforehand. And that might not always be the case, you know, because the school you're at now, you were paired at before, meaning you knew some of the kids and you knew the teacher who was there before. So you knew a lot of what was yes. going on before. The school I'm at now is the school my children went to and my daughter still goes to, although it's her last year there. And I've known the music teacher there for a very long time and, and admire her and her work. So, 
you know, we knew a lot going in, which was helpful, but I think you could also, you know, make a case where if you're going into a school and you don't know anything about it, kind of having in your mind ahead of time what you think you want your goals to be. And then, of course, adjusting as you meet the kids. I mean, you can't know everything. Even I have adjusted as the years gone on, but I just wanted to point mm -hmm. that out, that we were <laughs> we were in that unique position of knowing a lot before we walked in, which does help a lot before you go. Right. And I think another thing that needs to be said is that we were also both of us in the unique position of, of we've both been teaching for quite a long time. Oh, yeah. And so there were things that I knew that are just going to come with me no matter what school I'm going to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, this is going to sound different than someone who was like, well, this is my first or second or third year at a brand new school. And yeah. my first, second, third year teaching at all. So that's different as well. Yeah, totally. So give us a, a, a star, something that went well this year, Carrie, that you liked. Okay. You did. Well, yeah. And, and to go with what I was just saying, I knew coming into this school, um, you know, and this is a combination of, you know, just knowing this because of the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, but also um, talking a lot with the teacher who retired from my school last year and kind of asking her, okay, you know, pedagogically speaking, you know, curriculum wise, scope and sequence wise, kind of where the kids were at. And she was very frank and said, you know, I feel like they're very quote unquote behind with their melodic work. So both with the in tune singing piece. She knew that there was a lot of kids who were struggling with in tune singing, um, especially at the upper grades because they hadn't been singing as much. And then also just melodic work in general, being able to read and write, you know, traditional Western notation on the staff, all that stuff. So I came into the school year knowing that that was going to be a big goal and that singing, I mean, as a Kona inspired teacher, singing is always a part of what I do. But um, I think for the students, I did more than what they were used to, um, did more song literature within one lesson that they were used to, a lot of solo singing opportunities, echo singing opportunities. And then I really dug into the melodic work quickly. Whereas maybe if I was going into a new school that I didn't really know, um, I might lean more heavily into rhythmic work because that's easier and you want to make the kids feel comfortable. But I was like, nope, we're just going to dig into the melodic work because I know where they're at rhythmically. Now we need to dig into melodic work. And overall, I've just been really pleased pleased with what I feel like I've been able to accomplish with the kids. I feel like they are singing very tunefully. And um, I will say with older kids, fourth and fifth graders, you know, I kind of went more the traditional route with just notes on the staff because to introduce, you know, solfa to them at an upper age when they weren't accustomed to doing a lot of solfa work leading up to it at that point didn't make a lot of sense. Um, but third grade lower, you know, we really hit the solfa and, you know, the traditional sequence. With third grade, I did start with do, re, mi because we always recommend that for older beginners anyways, that that's a good way to get them grounded. But second and first grade, we started with so and me and all that stuff. So anyways, I'm just, I'm just pleased with what my students are doing just this week. I've been doing a lot of work with first graders doing so and me on a five line staff and they're getting it. They're getting it really, really well. And then with my kindergarten students, I've been doing just high and low on a two line staff, but singing the so me interval with them, just using the words high and low. And again, they're getting it. They're already identifying, already identifying things. I did, you know, melodic dictation with kindergartners with mini erasers on a two line staff and they were doing it. And I was just really excited because 
As you know, if you've been teaching for a while or any amount of time, melodic work can be hard and it can be very defeating when kids are just not getting it. So I've been feeling pretty good about where my kids are at and I know that hitting it hard was the right choice. So, yay. Awesome. Yeah. How about you? Well, I was going to start with something different, but since you're talking about singing, um, I was one of my things that I think have gone, has gone very well this year is that I've been including a lot of songs, games that is singing for the sake of singing, yeah. which I think has really, really helped my students not only learn to love the songs that we are singing and to do it often, but the in-tuneness is really coming along for all the grade levels. And, and I'm not talking about specifically singing and reading from a staff and doing a lot of what you were just mentioning, but I'm talking about including songs that do not have a specific pedagogical purpose, except for this is fun and we love the game attached or we love the song or we love moving while we're doing this. So um, I'm really happy with how organic it all feels in the music room and how um, kids are just taking it and it's becoming part of them. Like my students, my kindergartners, they'll leave the room singing something. And then if there's another kindergarten class in the hallway, who I also teach, they'll start singing along, right? And so that's kind of like, wow, this is just, it's they just catch that tune and they continue with it. And just because it's the joy of singing. So I'm really pleased with, how that's transpired throughout the year because I've been, I mean, it's been a while, but I, I remember my very first job teaching where they were not accustomed to singing and it was school-wide. It was like cultural within the school and it was so hard. And like you said, so defeating, it feels so bad because they're like, ah, oh, it's that lady who sings. We're going to sing, you know, right, that kind right. of feeling. And so, and, and I didn't have that. I mean, I, like, I, like you had mentioned before, I knew where they were coming from. I knew that there was some singing going on, of course, but I'm just so uh, pleased with how we've got this singing community at the school. Yeah. Well, can I go with another one? Yeah, and then you go your and turn? then I'll go. All right. Um, I mentioned dancing and movement before. So this is another thing that has gone fairly well, but I've learned a lot because um, it's been a long time since I've really instituted like a lot of dancing, organized dancing, but also movement and that body awareness piece. And um, there was a lot of trial and error this year with uh, especially younger grades. It's been, a well, I mean, always with kindergarten making a circle, maintaining a circle, moving in a circle. These are things that we know take some time, but I feel like, wow, it took a long time this year with, with the kindergartners. It felt like it took longer than it usually takes. And I felt like the first graders and the second graders were also kind of in that same boat. And then, so you think about, well, what happened? Well, let's think back. Yeah, there was a pandemic. And do you think, I mean, we know these children were not in the same room together, taking hands and moving or having to trade partners. And I mean, 
I should know this by now, right? Hey, there was a pandemic. So when we're playing a hand clapping game, I have to show them, of course, like more than one time because they don't naturally put their hands up and, you know, high 10 each other or high five each other. That's not in their repertoire of like moving. Mm-hmm. So it's that, you know, that reminder that keeps coming up where I'm go, I go, okay, now we're going to go right, 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 left, left, left. And then if I show it in the air and then I put them with partners, they'll start like, hitting each other's hands like horizontally, they don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's that moment where you go, oh yeah, we've not done this. Right. 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 It's it's strange. But anyway, I've really, really worked on this with all the grades and especially kindergarten first and second with moving in a circle, having partners, taking hands, trading partners, doing hand clapping things and going along with the music. Um, And I think it's going to pay off in the long run because I know that if we are doing these things now and we're moving with the phrase and we're moving with the form, that it's just going to be intuitive for them later. I can already see that happening um, when I introduce a a singing game that has like movement that's kind of similar to this other thing that we did. They just flow into it. So I'm really happy with all of the dancing and movement that we've been doing. Um, Even with the older kids at the beginning of the year, I tell you, I couldn't get through like Alabama gal without like three kids falling down, like some on purpose, some just (laughs) because they're clumsy, some because they're looking to be a car wreck and like Alabama gals, like, for older kids, as far as I'm concerned, you know, level one and a half, maybe. Yeah. And now, you know, we're doing other things that are far more integral. And I'm just really pleased that I, I took that time. Um, and when I think through that, like maybe initially at the beginning of the school year, I might have thought, well, yeah, dancing is great and da- and movement is important and I know all of this, but maybe we spend more time like getting to understand here's how it goes in the music room with Miss Lejeune. Now, the dancing, the movement, I'm really glad I spent that time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, uh, routines and procedures. <laughs> and, you know, this is something that I just, I'm really big on. It's, I feel like it is a strength of mine as a teacher, um, you know, and it's not the most sexy topic to talk about, but <laughs> I knew that routines and procedures were going to be an, an important thing going into the school, um, you know, and coming from my, my background as always teaching in a title one school and then going to a school that is not a title one school you know but then also having no assumption that well that doesn't mean these kids just are just know how to behave better naturally that doesn't mean you know perhaps they've had some different life experiences coming into school that might lead to that but perhaps not you know so um and then in my experience last year i was able to come and observe you know the teacher who who retired and and this isn't her this is a school-wide cultural thing. Um, The PE teacher is also new this year, and she and I, at the very beginning of the year, both noticed that school-wide, the routines and procedures were very lax when it came to students walking quietly in the hallway. And it's not that students have to walk in a silent, straight soldier line, but it's like they were 
barreling running down the hallway with no regard for learning environments around them. And then there was also this unfortunate thing where because when students come to our classes, they take three homeroom classes and they mix them all together to create their classes for art, music, and PE. And this is because we have a designated GT, gifted and talented classroom at every grade level, but they want them to mix and mingle when they come to AMP. So we create a silver group, a purple group, and a teal group because those are our school colors. All lovely, all fine. Well, the school for a very long time had a tradition of the teachers would just send them and they would trickle in. So you would get teacher number one's kids two minutes early and then you would get teacher number two's kids right on time and then you'd get teacher number three kids five, six, seven minutes trickling in because they were finishing up something in their classroom and the PE teacher and I said to each other, this is not happening anymore. <laughs> this is not okay. This is time I to start like some that. new yeah. routines and procedures. And the art teacher was thrilled because she's like, I've always had a problem with this, but you know, it's one of those things when you've had the same team for so long, you know, you just let things go and nobody steps up and fixes it. So all that to say, the PE teacher and I were the vocal ones that said, you know, we really would appreciate starting with all of our kids on time at our door. Here's the compromise. So we kind of came up with a compromise of when the kids come down to art, music, and PE, we have a designated place in the hallway that the teachers drop them off. We all stand in the hallway and wait. And then that really puts the pressure on the teacher because no one wants to be the teacher who's walking up three minutes late when all the other kids are standing there already staring at you. So that really has nipped in the bud teachers being late, which is good. And then when I have all of my kids, kids, I then walk them the rest of the way to music. And we generally have longer passing periods at my school. We're blessed with that. So I don't feel like it's taking up too much of my class time to do this. So that's an example of a routine and procedure that we've really stuck to. And I think it's made all the difference in the world because then I can greet my students at my door. They come in we start making music right away. Um, and then other things like, you know, assigned seats and keeping those assigned seats. You know, the kids asked me about halfway through the year, can we change seats? You know, we used to change seats all the time. And I said, no, because first of all, that's how I know your name. <laughs> You know, because learning all these names was important. But also, like, their number in music corresponds to their mailbox. So I have a, a mailbox system out in the hallway. And so when third, fourth, and fifth graders bring Chromebooks to music, they stick their Chromebook in their mailbox, and it's their assigned number. And same with recorders now. We use them for our recorders. So it's like those kind of routines and procedures that I established at the beginning of the year, while, you know, maybe be a carryover of my being a little more controlling than maybe some might think I need to be, I think have actually been good. And I think they've put a lot of kids at ease because they know exactly what to expect when they come to my class. And uh, yeah, so things like that and classroom expectations, routines of how we line up, routines of how we put everything away. You know, they might have been new routines for the kids, but because I was consistent with those routines, it's paid off in the long run. And I do feel like I have a great relationship now with my students, and I think routines and procedures lead to good relationships in in the long run. They might not like it yeah. in the beginning, but it's, you know, they appreciate it now. Most of them do. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. So, yay. Okay. That's that. Yay. Um, well, I'm going to mention that I have been including more other music. And when I say other music, I mean, well, we had a, a episode on this a few podcast episodes ago about including music that is not your 
typical, here's a traditional American folk song that's going to help us teach low law songs. So I have really made an effort to include musicians of the day or um, focus on a specific region and also to bring in some limited pop music into the music into the music room and the reason I say limited is because when I sit and do my homework as far as um hey what's on the top of the charts now a lot of it I just can't play because of explicit language and I'm not going to do that but I've been making sure that other music is happening uh I do need to take it a step further and involve us singing and um performing or really getting into maybe even arranging other music. I've done a lot with like recorder play along things. I do have some standard recorder things that we can play along. And when we start a little bit of keyboards coming up, we'll be using almost exclusively rock and pop music and doing some chord things. But I need to bring in more that we're actively musicking with. Mm-hmm. So that's my next phase. But I think I've done pretty pretty well of including some others' music. I mean, I can always do better, right? It's just a matter of balancing that and knowing what to include. And, and we've talked about that in the past um, of how to make those kinds of choices. But so that's something I've been doing and I want to continue to evolve. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about performances, and this is something that we just talked about in a recent podcast as well as presented on at the last Oak Conference. You know, we, we titled our our session New Performance Traditions, Bright Ideas for New Performance Traditions. So I completely wholeheartedly embrace this idea because, you know, coming back to performances after the pandemic and then also establishing new traditions in my new school, I've been very mindful about just knowing that whatever I do this year is going to be expected in following years. So I want to make sure that I'm creating new traditions and setting good precedences for myself, um, reasonable expectations, but also things that I just really value. So for example, my second graders, we just had a performance. And rather than doing a, you know, prepackaged or canned musical, as we like to call them, which have been done a lot in the school in the past, and the parents absolutely love them. Um, But I was like, nope, we're going to try a different route. And my principal fully 100% trusted me in this. And so I created my own little mini musical out of the folktale, The Brebbentown Musicians. And I've probably talked about this particular show before because I've done it before with other kids. So it was kind of one that I could pull out of my back pocket. But the whole idea is creating my own musical based on songs and games and activities we are doing in the classroom already and just dressing them up a little bit for the stage. My art teacher at my school is fantastic. She fully supported it and had kids make cute little animal ears in art class that they wore for the performance. They also made beautiful backgrounds, scenery, trees, and this beautiful house for the robbers because in the story the musicians, which are these animals, go and they run across a band of robbers in this house. Anyways, all very cute. So it was still very visually appealing to the parents, but I was very nervous because, you know, there was no press play and sing along with this song. It was, they were singing everything. I was boom chucking on the piano. There was lots of repetition, you know? So it's like, here we are singing 
Bow Wow Wow, Who's Dog Art Thou? And the kids are going to be doing the little singing movement game. And we're going to do it a whole bunch of times because I wanted the parents to see what that looks like in the real classroom. And is that going to be appealing to parents? And we included ORF instruments. And you mentioned the Hill Toe Polka. We did the Hill Toe Polka as our grand finale song. I had all four classes on the gym floor in four small circles doing the Hill Toe Polka. And it was a hit. The parents loved it. I have gotten nothing but positive feedback. And I work in a school where if parents had otherwise, I would have heard about it by now. So (laughs) I know that that's a good sign. Um, You know, and again, these were second grade parents that unless they have older kids who have done a more traditional prepackaged musical, they didn't necessarily know any different. But the feedback that I got was just that they specifically love to hear the kids singing. They love to see the kids playing instruments and dancing and movement was their favorite thing. You know, they just felt it was very organic, very kid-friendly, very age-appropriate, and that's exactly what I was trying to get across. So feeling really good about that choice to stick to my guns on that and knowing that the path forward is going to be now just go I'm gonna go with that flow and my principal absolutely loved it too so so yeah yeah, practicing what I'm preaching about new performance traditions because it actually worked and it it went really well so yes that's fantastic yeah okay well shall we share our wishes Tanya oh yeah so many wishes I know I have a lot too but (laughs) I've got a lot of wishes there's some things that I need to uh, tighten up around of course, you know, it's it's after spring break. It's April. Um, we have a few weeks left. And so I, a lot of things are coming to mind about, okay, next year, I got to make sure I do this, that, and the other. Okay. One of the things that I would like to do better at is more student-directed um, activities and projects. And I have had the greatest intentions, but I didn't really, because did I put them in my long range plans? No. Did we get to it? No, we did not. I really do, especially with older grades, want to do more student directed projects that they can get really excited about. That is them taking the lead. Um, I want to bring back more technology. I feel like this year I let go of a lot of technology. We did use Chromebooks from time to time, but not in a sense of here's a musical project that we're doing, right? Um, I know you and I have talked about handbells and I didn't do handbells this year and I've got a full set and I, and you have a full set of handbells. Not that that's necessarily student directed, but it's just one of those things that it just takes a little bit more, planning ahead of time and there's like literally heavy lifting as far as getting it off the ground right yeah um and setting things up so i i've just been thinking about more student directed activities and projects where the kids have that ownership piece um going forward next year all the way down from fifth grade to kindergarten because there's been little moments where I do let kids work in groups and they're like doing a tiny little composition thing that's very short. And I think, you know, they could do more. They could go further, but I plan for us to do this thing next and we've got to get it going, right? So that's something that I'm going to aim for for next year, among lots of other things. 
how about you? Yeah, mine's kind of similar in a way because um, with my music program, um, I had all of these grand schemes to do, you know, not super involved, but second grade appropriate ORF arrangements. You know, I was thinking like three part ORF arrangements where you have a Bordoon, you have some sort of a melodic ostinati layered on top of it, and then some sort of little rhythmic element to go with it, right? And um, I learned really quickly when I got the ORF instruments out that I hadn't done enough leading up to it because just having the students play a Bordoon while another group was singing was challenging enough. And I thought, wow, I mean, very specifically our beat versus rhythm part work is struggling and then just part work overall specifically instrumental part work so i guess this is the whole idea of you know when you focus on one thing other things go i was focusing a lot on singing and doing a lot of vocal work melodically that i didn't do enough with orf instruments specifically but just part work in general when it comes to instrumental part work so next year beginning of the year with all grades i'm going to do a lot of beat versus rhythm, then add in those rhythmic ostinati, then layer in those melodic ostinati. And I'm really going to try to be better about including ORF ensembles more often in my classroom and not just wait until performance time. Because if it's not something that we do often enough, then it's not like all of a sudden we can whip up this beautiful ORF arrangement at a performance and it's going to go well. Um, yeah. That said, what we did, which, which was basically the Bordoon plus the rhythmic aspect, kind of what I had to let go of was the melodic ostinati on top of it. The parents were still jazzed about it because, you know, hey, you get kids playing a Bordoon with a bass bar, especially in there, and it's going to sound beautiful. But just their beat wasn't even where it should be. So that's what right. I'm going to work on is a lot more part work, a lot more instrumental work, ORF instruments, um, but starting with beat versus rhythm and really making yeah. sure that foundational skill is there. I kind of assumed it was and realized real quickly that that was not a correct assumption. Well, you know, that's why you're going to work on it. I, I agree. Um, I have, I get out the instruments quite a bit, but it's usually beat work. It's usually Bordunes or maybe we're playing like really limited uh, pitched melodies like so me la melodies just so they can really understand there, there's a skip there and there's next door neighbors between so and la so that's what I've mostly used them for but I agree I want to get more into that because I've got an instrument for every single kid which is amazing I'm very lucky right. and they're on wheels yeah see this is my sad excuse is that I don't I have enough for maybe as far as melodic instruments go one for either every other kid or every third kid, depending on the class. And they're all tucked away in cabinets because my room is just really not that big. My room is big enough for six rows of kids, 30 kids in rows, or one big circle. And there is no room to have instruments out and have other things happen. So either I have to designate a whole lesson to ORF instruments, or I need to get them out of cabinets while kids are playing a game, which which they can. That's kind of typically what I do is they'll do some sort of movement activity while I'm getting the instruments out. But, you know, it just doesn't lend itself to, you know, certainly doesn't lend itself to impromptu, hey, let's just grab the instruments and add a Bordeaux on the fly. It's definitely something, like you mentioned, planning. I have to plan it into my lessons and know exactly the routine in which I'm going to have those instruments get out. And, you know, to go along with it, since I am all about 
about routines and procedures. I want to get the kids more responsible for, you've talked recently about bars, you know, taking bars on and off or flipping them upside down or whatever it is. Mallets, where do they go? You know, so I need just to tighten up all those routines too, because I think it'll lead to us playing more if, if I have the routines in place as well. So yes, all things to look forward to for next year. Oh, yes. So now it is time for our Know Better, Do Better segment, where we think about ways we can be more inclusive and culturally responsive in our classroom. So Tanya, what would you like to talk about? Okay. Well, Carrie, we pride ourselves here at Music Teacher Coffee Talk on being transparent and honest. And, you know, I I, I hope people appreciate that um, we talk about failures and things that we wish we would have done and, and those kind of things, you know, just because this is real life and um, nobody has it together completely. And I just want to, um, I don't know, have a tiny little conversation with you, Carrie, about things, what I should have said was conversation. Uh -huh. So here's a little backstory as far as I know better and I did not do better situation. So choral repertoire, right? Choral repertoire for um, secondary folks and for everybody, you know, for elementary as well, middle school. Uh, it, it can be, well, it doesn't have to be a landmine. There are things, there are songs that we know that are harmful to marginalize pe people and that should not be done, right? I know that there might be gray areas here and there, but I'm thinking specifically about arrangements of a particular um, black minstrel song that keeps coming up in my life. And I've had two times where I have um, been a part of a either choral festival or my own child was in a performance where an arrangement of this song was sung. And I'm going to say it. It was Buffalo Gals. I was going to guess because I not think we've talked about this very thing have before. We, we haven't talked about Buffalo Gals? No, I said um, we have talked about. Oh, we have. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, just the idea of how it, it keeps popping up. Yeah. I, I, I keep going. I'm sorry. Okay. Head. Well, anyways, and, and it's been, oh gosh, over a year where this has come up. Um, and the first time it happened, I, I didn't say anything. I thought, okay, I should, I should write a letter, an email. And, and I, I respect the two music directors who, included this in their repertoire i think the world of both of them i've seen them do amazing work and i know what it feels like when you've worked really hard on a performance and a parent comes up to you afterwards and says well you know you spelled my kid's name wrong in the program you know i've had that moment this is completely not that you spelled your kid's name i'm just giving an example right right, right. right. You work really hard and someone goes huh hey did you know by the way <laughs> that this particular, I, I understand how that would feel 
right after performance, but it, it doesn't matter. This is something that I should have done. Not necessarily, of course, right after the performance, that's not the right time, but an email, maybe a week after saying, oh, I really appreciate this performance that you did in general overall. Also, I just didn't know if you knew that this particular song, Buffalo Gals, is problematic. And if you go to, oh gosh, all you have to do is Google it. It's on the very first page of, you know, it, it's not But you wouldn't say that in the email necessarily. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say, I'm saying that to you. Exactly. Um, and the world is listening, you know, because it's so big. Uh, but yeah, so I, I failed doing that. And so, of course, fate dropped that in my lap. Not dropped it in my lap. It has nothing to do with me. It happened again in a different context, <laughs> uh-huh. right? And again, I didn't say anything. And I should have said something. And it's been a while. This is not something that happened recently. It's just something that is just sticking with me because uh, I want to do better in that regard. And I, th- I have heard other people who have done this reaching out and calling someone in and saying, Hey, um, I noticed you had your students perform this song and didn't know if you understood, if you know the history behind it, that this is considered harmful to this group. And I just wanted to make sure that you knew. And I've heard stories from people where initially maybe their email or that message was met with defensiveness or some hostility. But then later on, that teacher came back and said, oh, you know what? I looked that up and I, I've reconsidered, whatever. It, I should have done this. This is all I'm saying. So do I have any wonderful nugget for work harder Uh, work smarter, excuse me, for no better, do better (laughs) and not working harder and not working smarter, not doing, not doing the work. Here's me not doing the work. That's what I'm saying. I mean, there's other work to be done as well with all of this, but what I should have done was a week later, written an email saying exactly that and expressing my admiration of that person overall and I would like to be helpful to to you please consider this that's all I think what you're what you're modeling right now through this conversation is that these are tough conversations they're not easy conversations to have and that doesn't mean we shouldn't do them and I'm, I'm not excusing it I'm just saying like you know we all have feelings and we don't like to hurt other people's feelings but you know you know it but at the end of the day it's about what's best for kids you know and that's whenever i try to have to have a difficult conversation with a colleague and while i've not had to have that specific conversation so much other than you know maybe pointing out to students in a kodai program that i've taught in you know hey do some research on this song but that's different when you're their teacher you know versus a colleague anyways all that to say you know For me, if it's helpful to you, Tanya, to say out loud that, you know, we can always go back to what's best for kids and what's best for kids is to give them the best music possible, right? So there's other songs out there is really what it is, you know, that are- Of course, there's other songs out there. And not harmful. So yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, here's 
an area that I I do know better now and with this specific song and I should do better, but it's not about me. Right. You know. I hear you. It's 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 about what's best not just for for children, but for all people. And I don't want to hear that again. I mean, I, just, I, I don't think anybody should have to hear that again. It, it, yeah. it doesn't have a place right now. Right. It doesn't have a place at all yeah. in the future. And it's not a gray area. This, this particular song, not a gray area. Yeah. Um, so well, I don't have any thank excuses. You for modeling your transparency and vulnerability. Right. That, that said, um, <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> We're, I guess we're working we'll see. on it. Yeah. Yeah. And now we shall work smarter, not harder. Carrie. Okay. I'm rolling with the performance theme. Sorry. It's just so on my mind because it just happened. Yeah. You're day. just mired in performances. <laughs> Go. No. Yeah. So, um, Another new tradition that I really wanted to be mindful of is my programs, my physical programs that I that I pass out during per performances. And um, I have generally always been that person who's typed up every blessed child's name and put in the program because I always thought that that was of value to parents. And I decided new school, new time, new rules, new traditions. I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> And you do know, not do that. Yeah, because like then Brittany's mom earlier. comes at you when you didn't put the three T's in Brittany. Exactly, and then you got to type it up and give them their own special copy. Exactly. So I'm like, I'm just not going to do it. And again, no complaints whatsoever. But what I did do <laughs> that I thought was, you know, maybe a little extra and above and beyond. But I have had times as a parent where this has happened to me that I've gone to my kids concert and you know, they're backstage, they're lining up, I don't know where they are. And then when they come out on the stage, I can't see them because the piano's in the way or this thing is in the way or whatever. So what or I did my was, rear end is in the way. <laughs> no, just something or like the angle is just not right. You know, sometimes it's the angle in which you're seeing them. So here's what I did. And I'll be honest, I didn't really hear any specific feedback from parents whether this was helpful, but my principal thought it was pretty cool. So I use Canva. I love Canva. I've been making a lot of things on Canva, actually, um, to create a little diagram of where the kids were going to be standing on the risers as far as who their classroom teacher was. So here are the risers and I just put the four classroom teachers names along the risers as well as I had some special, you know, narrators, here's where they're going to stand and the robbers when they come out, here's where they're going to be. And it was just it took me literally 10 minutes, it didn't take me long to create this little diagram and then I stuck that on the program and said, "Here's where your child will be standing during the concert." So, oh. That way, the parents yeah. could look at that and then based on that, sit where they thought they would best see their kid. Have you ever done anything like that? That's, Am no. I crazy? You know what? I mean, I do it for myself. Yeah. I'm not fancy with Canva, but that, that's a great idea. Um, 
I, I, I'm going to do that. I've got yeah. a fourth grade concert coming up. Yeah, yeah. I, I should. I have a couple of second grade parents I've gotten to know really well at crosswalk duty this year. So I should ask them if that was helpful. Maybe it really wasn't. But I thought it was just, you know, me taking the time to acknowledge like, yeah, I know you want to see your kid. And here's the best yeah. place yeah. to see them. And then, you know, as far as the actual programs do go, I have 80 kids in my second grade and I printed 100 programs, but then I had a QR code posted all around saying, save paper, try this QR code instead. And I was surprised. I printed 100 programs. I had about 20 left over. So QR codes are definitely a hit. I think I will still always continue to have some printed programs because I know there's some that value that or if grandparents come and they're not big on the QR codes, like I get that. So, you know, I just I think it's good to have options. But um, if you're not already on the QR code program train, um, consider hopping on it because that definitely made life easier and you know i just think it meets the needs of what everybody likes these days um so yeah all of those things put together i was pleased with how my programs turned out for my concert that, that is a great idea and aside to any britney with three t's <laughs> I, I don't want to invalidate you you keep the t's and you own them that's a lot of t's but okay that works <laughs> yeah So now it's time for our CODA section where we talk about something personal or professional that we'd like to recommend. So Tanya, what are you enjoying? Okay. Um, I believe that I endorsed Schmigadoon back when it was, uh, which is a television show, a series on Apple TV. So yes, it is on Apple TV. Uh so their second season is out, but it is not Schmigadoo. Now it's Schmicago. And if you are a musical theater person, you're probably already watching it. It is a hoot. Whereas the first season was all musicals, you know, the golden age of musicals, uh, like Carousel and Bye Bye Birdie and all the happy, pappy, bright colors and everything. Now Schmicago, the second season, uh, has is it influenced from musicals like Chicago and Cabaret and oh lots of Sondheim, Sweeney Todd. So Carrie, I I keep telling you, you would probably appreciate the second season more than the first season, uh, because they do such a good job with the musical numbers, like the Sondheim inspired tunes really sound like Sondheim wrote them. And it's amusing and it's the cast is just chock full of people from the musical theater world and beyond. So Keegan-Michael Key is in it and Cecily Strong from SNL, but also we get like Alan Cumming and Kristen Chenoweth and just these fantastic performers. It's just so much fun. So Chicago for the win. It's, it's very fun. Amusing. You should see it, Carrie. You should come over. I know. That's the problem. I don't have Apple TV. So, yeah, either I need to just come over and hang out for a whole day and watch all of it in one sitting, 
Or maybe this summer I will do a, like a free trial of Apple TV and just sit and watch all the shows that I've been missing for you like. You gotta do Ted Lasso and Schmigadoon and Chicago and Shrinking and all the things. I know, I know. I'm sure there's a different streaming service that we don't use enough. I can give up for Apple TV. Might be about that time. So. Yeah. All How about right. You? Well, I'm going to talk about something dark and twisty. Um, so oh, there is a, a limited series documentary about the Murdoch murders on Netflix. Oh, my. Called the Murdoch murders, a Southern scandal. And, you know, I had heard a couple podcasts about this topic and the Murdoch family and all of the sad things that went on. And, you know, I don't know if you're following all this, but now um, Alex Murdoch is convicted for killing his wife and son but then it's also about... I knew that yeah but I don't but the whole story of what led up to it and the things that his son was involved in and there was an accidental death of one of his son's friends classmates possibly caused by his son there's just a lot it's a lot it's really involved and anyways I just if, if you're into true crime and you haven't already watched this it's a it's very short it's only for no, it's three episodes. Um, I think I watched the whole thing in one night. But, um, you know, it's sad and fascinating at the same time. Um, you know, what power and money can do to people and how it affects their decision making is a sad thing. Um, but if you're into true crime and you want to learn more about it, it is a well done documentary. Let's just put it that way. Sad, but well done. Sounds like a great Friday night, right? There, I think I did binge it one night <laughs> on a Friday night. All alone it on? With a glass of wine on the couch when my husband was out playing somewhere or doing something. Um, as a musician, that's what he does. Um, so sometimes I get to sit on the couch and just binge watch your crime stuff. Um, and this right. is an example of one that just sucked me in. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was well done. Where can we see it? Netflix. Oh, okay. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And we always appreciate folks buying us a coffee. So look for that link on our show notes and on our Facebook page. Until next time, this is Carrie. And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicking.